All right, so welcome to the Untouchables featuring the Sopranos. Uh, first thing I have to do, I poured a glass of wine. I'm going to raise my glass, toast you. Here's to your health. Salute. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're going to look at Season 1, Episode 3 of The Sopranos. First aired January 24th, 1999. Uh, the title of the episode is Denial, Anger, Acceptance, uh, which refers to three of the stages of grief. And in this episode, there's a number of, uh, a number of characters who are dealing with grief in their own way, uh, and different types of grief. Tony is dealing with uh, grief over his best friend Jackie's illness. Jackie is dealing with his illness and his own pending death. Artie and Charmaine are dealing with the loss of their restaurant. Junior's dealing with the loss of some control. Uh, and Livia's l- dealing with the loss of some control as well. A little bit of a stretch, those last two. Um, but I think very applicable to the to this episode. Quick synopsis of the episode. Uh, as we mentioned, Tony's dealing with the illness of his best friend and the boss of the family, Jackie Sr. Silvio and Paulie are tasked with sealing a Jewish divorce or get and get into the hotel business as a result. Meadow and her friend Hunter get some speed from Christopher. The Sopranos hire the Bucos to cater a fundraising event. And the calmly truck beef comes to a head and Brendan Falone pays the price. Um, kind of working on ways to tidy this podcast up. So in the, in the past couple episodes, this part has been a little bit uh, drawn out. I'm going to try and tidy it up a little bit and... Keep it clean with topics of conversation here. Uh, just some thoughts ahead on on the episode. Um, like I said, not trying to really do a deep dive. Just trying to get a few things out there, have a talk, and then have a little fun with it. So uh, the episode's really bookended with the calmly trucking problem and solution. There's not much kind of gangster stuff going on in this episode. The the whole thing with the Jewish get that's like a freelance thing that, that the Soprano family is doing. To help out a friend of Silvio's, uh, just to kind of strong arm this uh, son-in-law of a, of a local hotel owner. Uh, but the whole thing, like the whole family thing, is there's not much to it, right? I mean, uh, Brendan and Chris knocked over Uncle Junior's trucks. They kind of they returned the truck in the beginning. Junior and Mikey Palmis have a have a meeting, and we don't see anything. We don't see the res- the resolution until the end. Uh, so that was interesting that 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 part of the story just it, it makes two quick appearances and that's it. Um, in the beginning of the episode, we're like thrust instantly into Tony's head. Like we know exactly where he's at. He's on edge. He's not feeling great uh, about everything with Jackie Senior. If he's trying to put on a good face, he goes to see Melfi, and uh, he is. Like I said, he's trying to get a feel for how, how Jackie's doing, and he's trying to get a feel for how he's doing, but he, he lashes out about this painting in Melfi's office. Uh, and that kind of puts us right, it gives us immediately an idea of where where Tony stands. He's not in a good place. Uh, and the episode is framed by three hospital visits and three Melfi visits. So we kind of see, in those Melfi visits, we see Tony's, Denial, anger, and acceptance. I think that's kind of where where that title comes from. Because in the first one, he's talking about how Jackie, um, you know, he he's strong. He's he'll scare that cancer away. In the second one, he's very angry. He's angry. I mean, he's he wasn't 
happy in the first one, but he lashes out in that second meeting with Melfi, and where he kind of starts yelling about that painting was a scam, and and kind of goes on about that, and acceptance is at the end, where he doesn't have the energy to fight anymore. He just says, "If it's all for nothing, the fuck do I got to worry about it for?" And he's just he's defeated. He's accepted the fact that there's nothing he can do. That this cancer is going to rip through Jackie, and uh, that's it. Um, to kind of go along with those three Melfi visits, those three hospital visits, and we kind of witnessed the deterioration of Jackie Senior. We'd see him in the beginning; he's still kind of jovial, joking around with the guys. The second one uh, is when Tony brings the dancer from the from the Bing over and uh, has a little private party. Uh, and then in the end, Jackie's just kind of sitting there playing with his thermometer, not not paying attention to what's going on. Think, you know, kind of fiddling around as Tony's trying to have a uh, have a joke with him about uh, everything that happened with uh, the Jewish son-in-law, the Jewish son-in-law uh, earlier. But Jackie's out of it, and that that's pretty much it. That kind of what forces Tony to accept what what his friend's going through and what's going on with him. Uh, interesting uh, note that I caught on, I believe it was SopranosAutopsy.com. Uh, the painting in Irina's is a picture of like a pool deck little pool house and a deck and a couple of chairs and there's a splash in the pool which shows that somebody's there but you can't see the, who that person is so they're there but they're not there which is uh basically what jackie senior is in this episode he's a person who's there but he's he's not there and he soon will not be, will physically not be there um either uh, i thought it was just an interesting little tidbit there um as far as that whole thing with uh, Sylvia and Pauli and uh, the Jewish get, uh, I guess a get is not, I guess it's inherently Jewish. You don't have to say a Jewish get, just with the get. Um, kind of redundant to say that. Uh, both sides have advisors that tell them to stay away. Uh, Titleman, his son, his son is telling them not to get involved with the Sopranos. And Hesh is telling Tony not to get involved with these, with these people either. Uh I don't know. So they end up still getting. They still end up getting together, and in the end, Tony kind of wins out. But I thought it was interesting that both sides were were advised not to get involved with the other side for different reasons. Uh, and this is the first time I remember seeing Livia orchestrating everything. I mean, I'm trying to look through the eyes of myself in 1999. I'm 15 years old, uh, 16 years old, watching it for the first time, and. I guess I didn't really realize the subtleties of it, but Livia is orchestrating things from from her nursing home uh, where Junior go, goes to her and she gives Chris the pass but says, Brendan, maybe, you know, she kind, of, she kind of gives it away but doesn't give it away. She doesn't say anything too serious, but Junior asks for her advice and very cold-heartedly and cold-bloodedly just, just says, oh, Chris, put up my storm windows. He's all right. Maybe, maybe just talk to him. And Brendan, I don't know. And that was it, man. And that, and that was it. That was his head. It was Olivia pulling the strings. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I, I know later seasons, Junior gets called out by Tony and, you know, for getting played. But <laughs> oh, that's right. Season, oh, season two was great. Come right, you know, <laughs> can't wait to get into season two. But um, yeah, so I, yeah, that's the beginning of, of Olivia kind of put her input, having some, uh, some, um, some action in the in the real world there. Um, 
And then there's the whole Carmela Charmaine aspect of this, where Carmela hires Charmaine out of that kind of out of part partially out of pity, partially out of a need to to feel charitable, or to a need to put on a face as a good friend or be a good friend. Um, and Charmaine doesn't take too kind to that, you know. She Charmaine doesn't really want to be involved with the Sopranos anyway. She'll she will, you know, do a, as a higher as a paying gig. She will you know, let herself be hired for them. She'll serve them in the restaurant. We'll be happy about it. Um, obviously, won't already take the tickets that we're supposed to get him out of town to save him from from uh, Pussy Malanga getting whacked there in his restaurant. Uh, but you know, she she won't take certain things from the Sopranos. Uh, she she resents the fact you know she mentions to Artie in the episode that she thinks she's that he's jealous of their money, but I think she resents the fact that they're uh, that they are who they are and they're able to put on airs that they are so that they are good people and she knows the truth that they're not really great people. Um, she doesn't take too kindly to Carmela treating her like a like a servant, which is you know the whole thing with the hand gesture. Um, Carmela to her maid, and then Carmela does this to Charmaine at the party. Um, and Charmaine is the one person who really knows what she stands for. She has no qualms about who she is. You know, she wants. She knows that she's a hardworking person. She's a blue collar person. She knows that she had a chance to be in this life, and didn't didn't want it. it wasn't for her. She even so much as says so to Carmela later in the episode. Really sticks it to Carmela, um, telling her she had the option. Um, and maybe even had first dibs, which is completely, completely out of, out, of, out of hand to be saying that to somebody in her house about something that happened, you know, years ago. It's crazy, um, but cold, cold-hearted, man. Um, one of the most intense scenes in the in the episode, or the most intense scene in the episode, is Tony with Melfi. Um, I believe it's the yes, the second visit with Melfi and he's saying how he's had Jackie's had chemo and hasn't lost a single uh, single hair off his head he's got a beautiful head of hair and he starts yelling her I knew that painting was a fucking scam uh, I thought it was interesting that this episode it was him and Melfi and last episode it was him and his mother uh, which to, ha- to have a mob show where the two um, two of the best scenes are between like the gangster and not non-gangsters and also women who aren't, you know, aren't as gumad or aren't, aren't aren't some poor wife getting in the way of his fist or something. It's just, you know, it's it's two women who are going toe to toe with the with the boss, which is um, it's something something to say about that. Interesting to see that early on in the in the show. Uh, in the end, I mean, we're kind of programmed in in uh, today's TV culture where. Everything has to be a cliffhanger, right? But this is the first time that uh, the show ends, and you're like, "Wow, what the fuck is going to happen next?" You kind of you left. Christopher gets his his ass kicked uh, at the pier. Falones get gets popped, and you know there's a whole scene with uh, Meadow singing in the background, uh, doing her recital, and really it's it's uh, watching it for the first time like. Front of uh, beginning to end, on the edge of my seat, I knew it was going to happen. Edge of my seat, and I got just chills as Falone's dead. Tony's listening; he's getting emotional at Meadows' recital, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, 
now what's next? Like something's gonna happen next, man. Like I can't wait for next week. And those seven days were probably fucking torture. Except for the fact that the previews back then, they gave away way too much. The TV's a lot different now. If you're the Sopranos now, and even the Sopranos later seasons, not giving away that much in the previews. This these previews, if you're watching um on demand or even on the old DVDs. Uh, the previews gave away way too much, man. I saw way too much action. Of course, I know it's going to happen anyway, um, but the, the the previews gave away way too much. Uh, so that's it for my little talk. Let's get into some segments next. All right, so there's a little bit of delay, delay in getting this episode on the air. I, I recorded it last week. Um, did not like it. Thought it was thought it dragged a little bit. Just thought it could have done a much better job. And then I got held up this weekend because no joke, went to a place called Vesuvio's, and my wife got food poisoning. So I won't I won't get into too much. But if you know Sopranos, you know uh, the Vesuvio's and food poisoning. <laughs> so that's not a joke. That actually happened. She's much better now. Thank you for your concern. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to finally be back here. Hopefully, get two of these out this week. Uh, we'll get see episode four. The next couple of days after uh, this one's all set. So um, let's get into segments. First segment. The fuck did he say? Uh, this episode, not for nothing, you need more uh, of a Yiddish translation book than an Italian one. We, we heard an old one. We heard Statazi, which is the repeat. Uh, I think when Tony and, and, uh, and Artie get into a little food fight, you start Statazi about your restaurant. And then uh, when Mikey finally leaves the, the, the hospital, Jackie drops an old Maron, which is just like, God damn it, or oh, God damn. This means Madonna. It's like the Madonna, but in Italian, this means, or Italian-American slang, whatever it is. Uh, this means like, damn it. Uh, inside jokes. Uh, there's not too many inside jokes, so you, you don't need, you know, where you need to grow up Italian to know what's going on, but uh, Tony calls Artie King Arthur, and nicknames is something, that's old school, man. You don't see a lot of nicknames anymore. I remember, um, like, my grandfather, my aunts, great-aunts, that is, having nicknames for everybody, whether it was, uh, uh, there's somebody called Timbesta, which I think was, like, a, a briefcase. Somebody was always ready to go. That was just her nickname, Timbesta. Um, uh, there was an aunt who was larger and always tan, and they called her Fat Brown. Um, yeah, not a very creative name. <laughs> Maybe a little bit hurtful, but... You know, she she rolled with it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is something about nicknames. Very old school time, and uh, I think I gotta start. I gotta start doing that again. Not enough nicknames rolling around here. We got a couple. Uh, I got a meat truck, but there's not not many other ones though. So we have to we have to work on that. All right, the Godfather, Goodfellas, um, influence. First of all, first and foremost, the, the big one is Chuck Lowe, who plays Maury in Goodfellas, plays. Uh, Titleman, um, and then Titleman and his son in their meeting outside of Satriales with uh, Tony and Silvio and Paulie. Um, Titleman and his son argue like Sonny and Vito in front of Natalia. I thought that was, I don't know if that was intentional or, or what, but uh, Titleman says to his son, and Yiddish says something about um, having a united front, which is pretty much, you know, and, and don't say anything until we get back home, which pretty much, you know, uh, don't ever take sides with anybody. Oh, no, that's Michael. Uh, don't let anybody ever, don't let anybody know what you're thinking again, Santino. 
Uh, and then the end scene where they kill uh, Mikey Palmis and they, they give uh, Christopher's beaten. That's all Mo Green, the baptism scene from uh, from The Godfather. If you go on sopranosautopsy.com, there's nice uh, screenshots of the, the Mikey Palmis murder and the Mo Green murder showing how they're framed similarly. Um, as you know, one of the most, uh, one of the biggest problems people had with The Sopranos is the amount of violence in it. Some people said there was too much. Some people said there was not enough. So we're going to look at the violence in each episode um, and look at it from a cinematic point of view, see if there's anything worthwhile to it. Now, the most cinematic one in this episode was uh, the final scene, the, the Christopher getting his ass kicked by the by the Russians, uh, Russians for hire, and uh, Mikey Palmy's getting whacked. So that that's the most cinematic one. Uh, there's another one that's kind of funny when they when they go to when Paulie and Silvio go to um, go to talk to Titleman's son-in-law. Uh, Paulie ends up hit, banging him on the, on the top of the head with uh, the bell from the front desk. Uh, that's kind of that's a funny one. Um, and then there's just regular violence, roughing up Ariel, put him in the trunk. Ariel attacks them, and they threaten to you know cash rate him, that kind of stuff. Um, that that's not really cinematic in any way. Just is necessary for Ariel's storyline. Ariel's the son-in-law of Tidalman. And then uh, at the end, Tony uh, kind of goes at Shlomo in the in the back of his hotel um, because he won't pay up, and that's important because Shlomo then calls Tony a golem or a Frankenstein. What the fuck's a golem? And um, calls him godless clay. And that kind of affects Tony. He brings it up to Melfi in, in, the, uh, in the next session he has with her. And it affects him, the fact that somebody feels that, that he's like, Tony's just going because he did the guy a favor. The guy was in money. And so Tony handles it. You know, he, go, he goes at the guy because he wasn't holding up his end of the bargain. And uh, the guy ends up calling him a golem. And, <laughs> and it just ingrains it deep in, in Tony's head. Uh, another uh, criticism of The Sopranos was the fact that it would glorify mob life. I don't completely believe that so we're going to every episode look at gruesome versus glorified uh, there's not much glorification in this episode there's really not a lot of great things that happen i know sill gets a free sandwich <laughs> and um when, when they're waiting for tony to come when they're beating up ariel and trying to get him to agree to this get still gets a free sandwich so maybe when you have a butcher shop uh slash deli as your front i guess that's a perk to me it would be but uh i'm not sure i'm not sure it's really worth it uh, for everything else that you're doing. Tony's really, he's denied all pleasures in this episode. He's denied solitude at his own house uh, when they have to have that that um, that party, the uh, the fundraiser. And he acts out like a child, you know? He has a food fight <laughs> at, a, at this house party that he doesn't really just want to be a part of. He finds his one buddy and has a food fight with him. He's denied time with his guma. You know, he sneaks out later. He can't spend time with her because this thing with uh, Titleman has to be handled. They need him on scene there. And then even telling Jackie that story, he can't enjoy it because Jackie's on his way out and he's just, he's a shell of himself and he can't, doesn't even care to listen to him. Uh, and the gruesome part, I mean, that's a Christopher, man. And you could say Brendan, but Christopher, he did, he did what he thought he was right. It seemed like he was on the right track. You know, why be a gangster was his speech last episode. Um, and then he got getting ice cream, and two guys just sidle up to him, grab him. He's, he's helpless. It's like that. He's always looking over his shoulders. And if you, look, if you look at it from the point of view of the entire series, 
that's kind of the point of the finale. It's one of the points of the finale, if you want to read it one way, is that, uh, you know, no matter who you are in this life, you're always going to be looking over your shoulder. And there, here you go. Episode three, as Christopher just kind of, boom, just dragged into it. Gets his ass kicked, shits his pants, and, uh, and that's it. All right, what was on the menu in this episode of The Sopranos? This is my favorite one. It's my favorite segment, I think. So I have a little sip of wine. So one more time. Um, what's on the menu of this episode of Sopranos? Uh, when they first go to see Jackie at the hospital, they ask him if they're feeding him. Jackie says uh, he wants to play to Rajol. Rajol is nice. Nice. It's uh, it's like it's a little thin meat rolled up with a little stuffing, breadcrumb, capers. Could be a number of things in there: grated cheese, salt, pepper, garlic. Everybody does their own thing. They roll it up, use a toothpick, use string, whatever it might be, brown it, and it goes right in the sauce. Oh, it's beautiful. Nice. And then Tony asked in the line, is there's grappa in the line. Grappa is like, uh, grappa's after dinner. You know what grappa is, right? It's like, I think it's made with uh, the, the, end, the end of the wine or the, the, the skins of the grapes. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's very strong. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice drink to have when we had a big meal. I don't know if this has anything, but um, Carmela calls Hunter Cacciatore. I don't know what the significance is there, but there's there's one thing. I don't know. Uh, Carmela mentions veal tonadas when they're at the fundraiser. I've never heard of a veal tonada. I looked it up only for this episode. Even when this happened, even when I watched the show all these years, I never considered what the fuck a veal tonada might be. It's just I looked this up, so this is right from somebody's recipe. I w- I'm sorry, I can't give you credit for it. Uh, you know what? This isn't from Sergeant Jeopardy. This is me off the top of my head. No, I don't know. I don't know where the fuck I got this from. It's uh, slices of aromatic veal served in a rich fish sauce made from tuna, capers, and alige. Al- alige is anchovy. Um, I think it's served cold, which fish cold. Uh, fish sauce cold sounds not great. Veal cold sounds odd. I guess I would try it, though. I would have to give it a shot. I mean, I like everything in there. So I guess I'd have to give it a shot. Uh, and the food fight, I don't know what they're throwing around, but that's one... What the fuck was that? Um, that's one thing. Uh, the last two is silly in this... Silly's eating his nice sandwich. I guess if you're kicking the shit out of some guy who won't give you what you want, you work up an appetite. I could see Sil going down, taking a piece of loaf of bread, cutting it open, maybe a little olive oil, salt and pepper, piece of provolone, a little salami, maybe a little cavagool. I don't know, maybe a little uh, super sod and just a nice little something to munch on while you're awake. Um, and then uh, Carmela when in the aftermath, right before Charmaine sticks it to her. Um, she mentions that somebody really comp- really liked uh, those little rice balls. Like she never had arancine, <laughs> just the way she says it. But arancine, it's just like, I don't even know how you make it, but it's rice with carrots, peas, uh, they stuck together somehow, breaded up somehow, fried somehow, and uh, that's arancine. It's a good one. It's Sicilian, I think, but uh, I never learned how to make it. But it's good stuff. Nice little snack if you're ever in the mood. Um, that's it for the segments. We're going to get to the top five quotes of the episode, and then and the MVP, and then on to the next one. All right, all right. In the past, I've done just every quote that I liked in the episode, which is a fucking mistake. 
that was miserable. If you listen to the last two of these, and it's just me kind of going through every quote that I liked, explaining them, I mean, it had to be hard to listen to. I apologize for that. So from now on, I'm going to do the top five quotes from the episode. If that I feel like is too many, I'll go to top three. If that I feel is too many, we'll do number one. If that is too many, then maybe I'm in the wrong in the wrong uh, podcasting business. I don't know. So here's the top five quotes from episode three, season one of The Sopranos. Number five. Towards the end there, when we find out that Livia is really pulling the strings, Junior says, got a lot of sense for an old gal, or something along those lines. And Livia kind of shakes her head and says, no, I'm not. No, I don't. I'm a babbling idiot. That's when my that's why my son put me in a nursing home. And there lays the groundwork for everything Livia will do the rest of the season, pretty much. In the beginning of the, in the beginning of the episode, when they're talking about uh, when Junior and Mikey are talking about what they're gonna do, Junior kind of lo- or uh, Mikey kind of loses his head. You don't fuck with Junior Soprano. Junior shuts him down right there and says, "Take it easy." We're not making a Western over here. Number three, when they're beating up Ariel and Tony shows up and Ariel's going on about about the 700 Jews who fought off 15,000 Roman soldiers, whatever the story was, and he goes, and the Romans, where are they now? And Tony's standing over him, and it's Tony, Paulie, Silvio, and he says, you're looking at him, asshole. Number two, Hesh's advice to Tony. When they've run out of up when they've run out of options, Tony calls Hesh, find out what they should do. They're not gonna kill the guy. That's not gonna do any good. If you kill him, he doesn't get you know, they they, they they're not gonna get what they want. You can't kill him. Um that's gonna kinda nullify the whole deal. So Hesh says, Well, if you can't kill him, if he's content uh to die that's one thing, but if he has to stay here, maybe he can't live without one thing. And we see Tony kind of laughing about it. And Hesh says, make like a moil, huh? Finish his bris. <laughs> and the number one quote of the episode. So when Paulie and Silvio first go to see Ariel, Ariel's giving him some shit. Paulie puts, <laughs> pushes his head into the desk. And Silvio's saying, say bupkis, Paulie. And Paulie says, what? Silvio says, say bupkis. That's how they say nothing. And Paulie says, fuck that. This is how I say nothing. And starts bashing him in the head with his bell. That's one of the best moments of the episode, best line of the episode. And there you go, your top five quotes. The MVP of denial, anger, acceptance is without a doubt to me. I mean, look, Tony hasn't won one yet. This is not Tony. Tony's in a rough, in a rough way, man. Carmella got, got, got her ass handed to her in this episode. Uh, I don't know. Christopher ends up on a pier with a dirty pair of underwear. Mikey Palmi's dead in his bathtub. Meadow, I don't know, starting to use drugs. Who else? Who else is there? Charmaine Bucco is your MVP, the most valuable paisan in the episode. She takes complete control of her life. Sticks it to somebody, you know, she has the, she, who knows if she's holding on to this in her back pocket for years, or if Carmela just started to piss her off and she was tired of it and just wanted to put an end to it before it went any further. And she told her, look, I fucked Tony years ago, I had my chance, I said no, it was my choice, you're number two, alright? Look, you were on the outs with them, came to me, 
I decided, nah, go ahead, go back, go back to the little girl over there. I'm going with, okay, well, maybe Artie Boko isn't. Maybe that's kind of the yell right there, just taking the loss with Artie. But, um, yeah, I, that's, uh, that, to me, that's MVP status. So good for you, Charmaine. Congratulations. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Untouchables. The Untouchables is a 22 production. Look out for a Catch-22 podcast every day. And before we go, from The Untouchables featuring Sopranos, I want to say one thing. Um, just a, one final toast to James Gandolfini, who without him, this show is not possible. Obviously, The Sopranos is not possible. Me taking a half hour out of my day to do this is not possible. Um, 20 years and, and, and counting. He's, he's given us inspiration, um, entertainment. And uh, we miss him every day. Uh, the real fans, we miss him every day. And uh, we'll raise our glass to him and say goodbye. Have a great night. Thank you so much for listening. As I sign off, I'll say what I always say. Don't take any shit from anybody. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>